So the first three attacks are all on people related to the original killers. Oh my god, he's making a requel! A what? Or, uh, like a sequel. Fans are torn on the terminology. God, please speak English. Okay. Remember the Stab movie that came out last year? Oh, yeah, the one the Knives Out guy directed, right? Yeah, I actually really liked that one. Of course you did. You have terrible taste. I hate you. The point is, the hardcore Stab fans hated it. You go on 4chan and dread it. All they're talking about is how Stab 8 pissed on their childhoods. How they crammed in social commentary just to make it elevated. How the main character is a Mary Sue. What's a Mary Sue? You really don't want to know. What's wrong with elevated horror? I mean, Jordan Peele fucking rules. Uh, obviously, but that's not Stab. Real Stab movies are meta-slasher whodunits, full stop. Come on, it's just a movie. No, it's not. To some people, the original is their favorite thing in the world. The movie that made them love horror that mom or dad showed them when they were 10 that bonded them together. And God help anyone who slightly fucks with that special memory who makes a movie they think disrespects it. It sounds like our killer is writing his own version of Stab 8, but doing it as a requel. Which is... See, you can't just reboot a franchise from scratch anymore. The fans won't stand for it. Black Christmas, Child's Play, Flatliners, that shit doesn't work. But you can't just do a straight sequel either. Uh, you gotta build something new, but not too new, or the internet goes bug-fucking-nuts. It's gotta be part of an ongoing storyline, even if the story shouldn't have been ongoing in the first place. New main characters, yes, but supported by and related to legacy characters. Not quite a reboot, not quite a sequel, like the new Halloween, Saw, Terminator, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, fuck, even Star Wars. It always, always goes back to the original. Are you telling me that I'm caught in the middle of fan fucking fiction? Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. And welcome to the ultimate gift for you, listener. We're talking a bunch of 2022 movies. And we're going to kick it off with what I believe is, is a very strong year for the horror genre. And the one film that I, gosh darn it, I wish I had caught in theaters and I didn't, was Scream. And no, I'm not talking Scream, the original. I'm talking Scream 5, as it should have been titled. But before we get to Scream, Mike, what did you think of Scream 4? Um, <laughs> I think if you've seen Scream 4, you don't really need to see Scream 5. Uh, <laughs> oh, <I> was... no! <laughs> Look, I was... I had very little in the way of memories of Scream 4. Other than I was excited about it, that was pre-Dark Knight Rises, so it was still uh, midnight uh, premieres, like proper, so Thursday night, uh, midnight showing, and then you'd show back up Friday for the matinees. Um, and I remember dragging my buddy at the time. I got off work. I was like, we're going to go see Scream tonight. And he was a good sport about it. I think he, you know, we're same age, so he liked the Scream movies, but 
not as big of a movie guy, so I think he wouldn't have felt it necessary to seeing a Thursday midnight showing of Scream 4. One thing you can definitely say, I know you're going to disagree with me because you're clearly you're, you're much higher on uh, Scream 2022, Scream 5. Scream 4 did not have <laughs> the warm and fuzzy feelings about being back. I think it was actually looked at as a cash grab. And I don't know what that says about us, Webb, that almost a decade later, is nostalgia just stronger? Is it something you have to leave these... Uh, pieces of IP, this, these franchises, you have to leave them in the oven for a certain amount of time before people are willing to embrace them again because there was curiosity about Scream 4, but it was more like arms crossed, like, this better be worth my time, Wes. And apparently the public said that was not worth my time because it left very little cultural imprint. So much so that I'm only making the comparison to Scream 5 because I did a marathon watch before Scream 5. And I was when I came out of the theater, I was like, oh shit, Scream 4 and 5 are like more directly tied, which uh, maybe that's a comment that <laughs> young people are the same as young people prior. Same bullshit every time. They're like, it's my moment in the sun. I want my 15 minutes of fame. So, you know, quasi, you know, slight spoiler for motivation on the Scream Killers that they, uh, you know, it's not changed much since 96. Fame. That's, I mean, that's that's what we're going with here. One thing that really stuck out to me was that there were 11 years between Scream 3 and Scream 4. That's a lifetime uh, when you think about modern day sequels, remakes, spinoffs, what And not a you. reboot. We didn't do the Michael Bay horror stuff. Exactly, exactly. Some of these films that come out now are like from an assembly line. They're just products. And Scream 4 almost felt like West being like, all right, we're going to fix or make up for what we did wrong in Scream 3. I, I liked Scream 4 quite quite a bit more than I was expecting. Did you feel that way in 2011, or did you did you come much later to it? When I watched it in 2011, I didn't think much of it. And, and it's only now, because I think it was a little ahead of its time. You've got the main character, uh, the Emma Roberts character. I don't really remember her character. And I'm not a huge fan of Emma Roberts. She was new at the time. But I believe she was the same. Sydney's... I don't know, niece, cousin, whatever. Isn't she a relative of? Yeah. And we do, we do some more of that in Scream Five. We've got a new relative. <laughs> we we do. <laughs> but but the character though was in search of fame, and uh, through the the quickest and easiest way possible, and didn't want to do the hard work. Like all the murder was the hard work, and I like that. I like that a lot. And beyond that, and I, I thought that that was ahead of its time, uh, in all honesty, because that's something you see nowadays. And you see kids who have YouTube channels who are like five or six, and what they do is they preview or review products and toys that are coming out, and they get views that would uh, put our listens to shame. I mean, we do live in the the darkest timeline. I I don't mean to have become my father because I, I didn't make his mistakes of having <laughs> way too many kids and crushing all of his individual hopes and dreams. But uh, I do often remember him giving the standard speech, like you're just wasting your life playing those video games. You'll never get paid to do that. And I'm like, look at the world now, dad. I'm not saying I agree with my younger self uh, or I agree with my father. I'm just, I'm just stating, you know, we were, we were all wrong that yes, there's, and who knows 10 years from now, how people will be making, making money off the internet with, uh, certainly not this podcast though. We do have a Patreon. Throw us a dollar. <laughs> <from> you, please. <laughs> 
ignore my laments at how people are making a buck. I'll take those bucks. I'll take one from you, dear listener. If you're listening now, I'll take one of your dollars every month in perpetuity. <laughs> the amount of work that goes into researching these movies, listening to, well, for me, like listening to commentary after commentary, listen to these uh, uh, behind-the-scenes packages. and, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure the only time I did the that for this podcast was for scream three like you know a month ago and i then started complaining to you incessantly like wes craven is boring he has nothing to say (laughs) nothing not to speak ill of the dead but it's the same with podcasts i think you have to be someone who likes to listen to commentary tracks to be able to produce a good one because otherwise you're just looking at the screen you're like it was cold that day and you're like thanks (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing for me with your aimless memories of this the other thing that comes to mind with scream 4 is i i think about what was happening in horror at the time because the scream franchise started as a friendly lampoon while also being a great horror movie so what happened between scream 3 and scream 4 that scream 4 can start poking fun at or or talking about and referencing I believe the Saw franchise uh, torture was... porn stuff. Yeah, yep. Uh, I believe one of the characters in the film also talks about how oh uh, the killer needs to film his stuff to to I guess I don't know, relive it or whatever. So I, I don't know if there was there was enough of a shift in the horror genre uh, to to have enough material to kind of make fun of or at least a reference. But between Scream Three and Scream Five, there's plenty of stuff, and between Scream. Four and five, we've got another 11 years. And of course, this time there's no Wes Craven. So I think a lot of the uh, hardcore fans were like, well, you can't have a Scream film without Wes Craven. One of the few franchises where there's been one singular vision consistent throughout. Between Scream 4 and 5, we've got what's called, I guess, elevated horror, as the characters mention. How have you responded to these modern horror Hmm. films that feel uh, uh, more like art films than the slashers, the Babadooks, the Witch, you know, Uh, the A24 crop? uh, I mean, good God, A24, that's just... Uh, you might as well just announce boring is uh, what's about to happen. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but yes. <laughs> yeah, there was one that was it called Lamb or Sheep or something like that came out last year. Uh, maybe it was this year. Uh, I feel like it's uh, the original girl to Dragon Tattoo, and they find like a oh, you know, yeah, a cross between a child and the lamb. I don't know. It's just uh, it's just weird bullshit. At a very slow pace. Um, as as to It Follows, I, I was a huge fan of. I, I actually, while I understand It Follows being considered elevated horror, I think it leans more into classic slasher movie territory. I mean, it's it's using the premise of the it, the evil that will stalk you and can't be stopped. Um, it's very Halloween. Very Halloween yeah, influence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, like elevated horror right now is kind of what you and I've discussed. And I know we both agree with like when people say like Twin Peaks is like a movie, it's, it's like people who are unable to say that there's such a thing as good horror. That's what they mean. Sometimes is I like this better than most horror movies. So it must be elevated horror. And it's like, it can't just be the best version of it. Right. It can't be like just, this is what they should all aspire to in some regards. 
the Baba Duke being mentioned, uh, you, you talk about having, uh, you know, some PTSD. Uh, good God, I watched that once, and while I can respect it, um, I I hate children and I hate loud children. And you, I mean, <laughs> oh my God, like I let let the Baba Duke come, like just fling the door open and point them to the kids' room and say, "Have at it!" Like just please, God. <laughs> I love the Babadook. It was, it was my favorite film that year. Oh, uh, and I had oh. a, oh, I know, I'm sorry. I had a very lengthy discussion with Dave about, about it as well. And, and, uh, it, it was very, it, it, the, the film really did a great job of talking about uh, the concept of personas. It's a Jungian, uh, theory. And, and I was just all into it. Um, it, it's a really, really wonderful film. Let the and mom so when... masturbate. Jesus Christ. Just <laughs> let her whack off. Goodness. And I love Jennifer Kent. No, I think no respite in this world. Can we have a brief <laughs> moment of self pleasure? <laughs> um, one of the things in in, in Scream Five, one of the, I, I guess you don't. It's not a punchline, but I guess a one liner. I still think the Babadook is better. Like it fills my heart with joy. So I, I'm Elevated Horror is a mixed bag for me. Like while I, I took off. On letterbox oh. for screen five, just for that that line. Like, nope, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love stuff like Babadook and It Follows, Hereditary, and, and some of this other stuff. Like, it is a that's a lot. Like, I I have not been that disturbed, in, you know, uh, in a movie theater in, in some time. And maybe that's the whole point. Like, that's the whole point of horror. Uh, it's not generally to have just a whole bunch of fun, but a horror movie should evoke some of those really uncomfortable feelings. But that that was a bit much for me. And again, violence against children. As much as you despise children, I, I'm sure you don't want to see them being beheaded on screen either, right? I mean, Halloween Ends was hated uh, by the, the entire online film community. Well, I don't want to say entire because there's already already people saying, like, well, actually, you know, it's it's better than you think. <laughs> However, you open with the sequence where the babysitter kicks the shit out of the kid, <laughs> sends him <laughs> flying to his death in front of his parents. That was worth more than half a star to me. That got about a half hour of goodwill <laughs> on my end. <laughs> You're horrible. What a horrible human being you are. Scream 5 shows up at our doorsteps in 2020, and I don't know what to make of it. I was like, why? Why? Why continue this franchise? <laughs> always always so good to be combative with a new movie <laughs> from the jump. <laughs> it comes, and it gets a, a mildly positive reviews, and I, I wait for it to come on uh, onto the streaming platforms, and then I catch it, and I am having a ball. I, I, it treats its legacy characters with the kind of reverence that uh, I think few franchises do. And and really what it comes down to is that the film is a takedown of toxic fandom. It is stupendous. I love how our villains are so possessive of this franchise where they go to this crazy degree to bring it back. That's part of my problem with the movie. Is it's a, a an attack on toxic fandom, but just in what you said, the fact that it treats its legacy characters with such high regard, I would pull a fucking Last Jedi and set their ass off to the side and say, no, they're not gonna they're not gonna save the day. It doesn't really like even in failure, 
you know, spoiler alert for, for Scream 5, which I believe is streaming. I think it was on Showtime now. It was once on Paramount Plus. It's going to bang around between all the sort of Paramount properties, I'm sure. The death of the Dewey character, played by David, Ar- David Arquette. Glorious, is, glorious is the, Okay, but it's the gunslinger walking back into town to like, you know, when he probably shouldn't to, to finish it once and for all. That's the type of death that they, they wanted for Luke Skywalker and The Last Jedi. They like, and Ryan Johnson gave you a, a Jedi visage of that, of the old man wandering into this desert and having one final du- duel with the villain. And fans were fucking pissed when it's like, you're telling me he's sitting his old retired ass in the Jedi you know, community and Boca Raton and he's not actually there having fisticuffs with Kylo Ren. I kind of wish the, the Scream 5 was a little bit rougher with the fans because I don't think the message is coming across to the people that are like, yeah, yeah, fans are toxic. Give me everything I want, though. Give me everything I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I thought that Luke dying the way that he did, that is reverence. I thought so too. I, I, I came out thinking like that is badass. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I found it so uh, impactful to, for him to be yeah. staring out at the, the sort of like the, the twin sons again and always know, looking into the horizon. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, but then the internet told me I'm a, an idiot. And so I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> I didn't believe that, but I'm like, clearly there's a, very loud and vocal minority of people online that hated that and thought it was trash. Um, I don't remember hearing that about scream. I don't know. I mean, obviously the, the, the insanity of the fandoms are never going to reach probably star Wars levels for, for scream. But like you, I'm, I'm under the general assumption that everyone was, you know, at least modestly pleased with this. I don't remember this causing any sort of outrage outright. However, <laughs> they, they're saving that for the next one when they apparently would not pay Nev Campbell and she's now refusing to return. <laughs> right. There's your real life disrespect to the legacy characters. <laughs> Maybe we're going to get the uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> next year with, with Scream 6. The Rise of Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> Sam takes over for that. Yeah. Oh, oh, it'll be brilliant. But yeah, 11 years between three and four, 11 years between four and five, one year between five and six. Mm-hmm. Now, Scream 2 got away with it because it was making fun of sequels. And so the franchise mm-hmm. was in a different place. I don't know what the heck's going to happen with Scream 6. Okay. So here's a side question. Yeah. So as much as you enjoy the film, do you believe that it does not. Is it not successful? And you know, there's a a monologue I think towards the end of the first act where the the new Randy uh, character, the new video store clerk, uh, actually part of the family lineage, um, mm-hmm. comes in and points out that you have to fans will not accept uh, just a straight up reboot. Uh, so you're going to do this requel thing, uh, and you have to pepper in some new characters with the legacy characters so you can transition the fandom into rooting for the new characters. Do you feel like with this whole like real world dynamic of Nev Campbell no longer appearing in the next one, are they actually going to be able to rely on this new crop of, you know, literal young blood to be sacrificed on screen? Will they be able to carry this franchise? Because it really is like the Skywalker comparison is very apt. It's all about Sydney. I mean, that's, that's all the characters. They cannot stop talking about her in any of these films. 
Even in Scream 3, which we covered, where Neff Campbell was off shooting drowning Mona and had to be, a, <laughs> her character had to be a cab in a cabin by herself. It was still, where's Sydney? When will Sydney show up? Do you think Scream 6 will be able to navigate away from her finally? I think so. I thought the new characters were very effective. I, I really, really like them. And also, I like the act. Trying to keep the pay scale down for women. Like, nope, we actually don't <laughs> <Nuts>. need you. <laughs> Neff Campbell, you're going to get 18 bucks an hour and no more. <laughs> Show up on time. <laughs> that's that's the most Sith thing. I've I, Only Sith deal in absolutes, Mike, okay? Like, there, there's calling, gray in Calling Neff Campbell a Sith now? <laughs> there's not room in negotiations, Neff? <laughs> I like this new crop of characters. Uh, I like the Sam character quite a bit. I, I, I mean, I know I didn't love In the Heights, but I dig the movie enough to the point where I was like, oh, man, she mm. was great in that. I liked her. And then her sister was in X, a film that I'm kind of coming around to. God, she's annoying in X. Jesus. Mm, yeah, it, it's it's a tough movie at first, to like, but I, I, the more I think about it, the more I, I think uh, I'm going to end up liking it. And I haven't seen Pearl yet. I'm excited to kind of see that and see how it goes. Anyhow, I like this new crop of characters. I'm glad that they didn't kill off uh, Randy's niece and, and nephew. Um, I'm glad. I was uh, happy to see Heather Maserato, as I think I've established on Trilogy and Theory. I think they have killed. I think they did kill off the nephew. No, no, he was okay at the end. He survives. He does survive. Yeah. Is it? Did I miss that? I've seen this thing twice. I have no memory of him. <laughs> he comes. I, I hope maybe. Wow, I, I'm beginning to question jock, how effective this film is. If I. Yeah, will find my death. I thought he was. I thought he was dead, and I was. I was glad. <laughs> <laughs> what a silly uh, uh, sequence that that was. The find my app stuff. That was, that was silly. But yeah, I, I think the new crop of characters are are, are very good. I, I like them a lot. I liked how uh, the one thing that even Ke Kevin Williamson he actually approved it. Uh, uh, when he came on kind of as a consultant to the script, where he's like, oh, are you going to have your main character have hallucinations of, of Billy Loomis? Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that kind of stood out as like, wow, this is not really Scream. But even mm -hmm. Kevin Williamson was like, this is so not Scream. I feel like you need to keep it. And and like le let's see how it plays because it's so odd. And I'm glad they ultimately did it. It was, kinda, it was odd, but I think it worked. I, I do wonder... At the end, where she kind of—I don't want to say—embraces her serial killer gene, but she does have that moment at the end. Uh, I wonder how that's going to play into Scream Six. Really, you don't need a Scream Six, but let's see. I didn't mind that uh, stuff. I think you bring up a, a interesting point. I hadn't really considered that it's it's breaking within the sort of playbook that we're we're used to. But I think we'll see how far they can go if they're trying to establish a, a new modernish series of scream films that it was inevitable that the first couple of films had enough material to reference from other movies that the 2022 version and beyond will probably only reference itself <laughs> like every other right. long running series. I didn't mind having Jedi master in blue form, uh, you know, as a serial killer. I didn't mind blue skeet showing up. If, if they, they could have actually gone further and had him be translucent standing there. That would have been fine with me, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I don't know if that, you know, continues on. You could go in some pretty dark directions. If the new Sydney is someone that 
you know, Dexter-like, secretly enjoys kind of being attacked that it allows her to scratch that particular itch. I don't, I'm, I'm like you. I don't, I don't know if this, the uh, warm embrace of scream, which also caught me off guard because I was, I was looking forward to this about as much as I was like the matrix. And I can never tell what's going to hit. I will say the last matrix movie was pretty bad. Uh, and this one is at least entertaining, but, that doesn't contribute to the opening weekend. And I have no idea why Keanu, who's like beloved and John Wick now, uh, why, why did America and the world just be like a new matrix? Stupid new scream. All right. Can't wait to, to see that. Like <laughs> I, I have no idea what will hit, what will take. Can you guess which, you know, legacy character I was most upset with as far as the, I'll, I'll play into the toxic fandom a little bit here. I'll play that part with how they handled uh, a throwback character come back. Do you, do you know which way I would go here? I'm going to go with, with, with Sydney. Nope. It is, it is a female. Unlike you, uh, I will stand with other ladies, uh, but it's not. Oh my God. Officer <laughs> Judy. Was it Judy? It's Sheriff Judy. <laughs> what? What did you not like about it? How it was handled. Sometimes I think the movie, you and I had kind of talked off mic. I, I wasn't as big a fan of the opening sequence where um, I guess the twist here is the uh, opening credit kill is not a kill. It's, it's a trap. It's just a, a bait to lure uh, the other participants in there. That's cool. Um, I, I didn't really like it because I thought, you know, eventually it would be cool, especially with the two killer dynamic, except for Scream 3. If you have one of the killers get killed. Be, be the first kill like in a failed attempt and then you have another one that's still i think that would be be cool what they do here with sheriff judy is actually more of a callback to the opening sequence with uh drew barrymore that started this off where the parent uh is aware you know becomes increasingly aware that their child's in danger at home and is racing back and i guess they flip it by having her be be killed instead of the child <laughs> but then um, three minutes later, stalking the child also dies. Like, Come on now. <laughs> like, what? You can't, I'm, I'm giving you Marley Shelton. You got to take the kid too. Not, I just wasn't a fan of that sequence. So much so that I erased it from my memory. So from seeing it theatrically to watching it now for this podcast, I actually thought the kid made it. I was like, yeah, I think he dies later on. I don't know. And then it happened again. I'm like, ah, oh, bullshit. This is so stupid. These killers, they have no sense of pace. <laughs> the ending of the film takes place at his like kind of wake or, or you know a semi-funeral um and the whole point was to, uh, another meta reference because it's it's a funeral for a character named wes and everyone is honoring wes it's another way to honor craven so you're you're right i i guess i could i could see being perturbed by that but that, that kind of leads me to the other aspect of this film that I liked a lot, especially compared to all the others, is that the violence is really stark and brutal. Each stab, I don't, I don't know if the sound design got better over the course of the past decade, but boy, I felt every single stab. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember that from Scream 4 as much. I don't remember it being... I felt like they were, you know, Scream 3 is the worst offender as far as trying to avoid the violent aspects of the franchise. But yes. I don't, I can't really remember. The only thing I remember about Scream 4 is that they have multiple opening kills. Like it's kills within kills oh, because they're doing this. Yeah. That, uh, there you go. And it's also like the, the bigger names <laughs> are the ones in the opening. Um, yeah. yeah. And a total misuse of Alison Brie. I, 
just could not stand it. Hated that. Who has spent most of her career, in my mind, being misused after her glorious breakout in Community. I, it was awesome to hear her say fuck in that movie because I really only knew her from Community. So I was like, oh my gosh, she's cussing? Oh, that's so awesome. And so I, I, I did enjoy that. But again, she wasn't stabbed. She was like thrown off of a building. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, at least in Scream 5, we get a lot of stabbings. So that was pretty great. Um, I enjoyed this it from like a fan show. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's called Stab. God damn it! <laughs> where where <are> the stabs? <laughs> really, we should be asking like, where? Why aren't people screaming more? You know? <laughs> Ultimately, I dug this way more than I thought. I do wonder what expectations have to do with it. And so I, I whenever. Uh, Scream 6 does come out sometime next year when I go back and revisit this. If if I do, it's still very fresh because I have seen it quite a bit in the past uh, few months. I, I went back and rewatched it with a couple different uh, family members and I listened to the commentary and just all about The commentary is really wonderful too, actually. I, I'm it, Wes Craven is nowhere to be found because he's dead. Uh, and... <laughs> Are we toxic fans, or, or even toxic fans would not make that that joke? <laughs> you know, as I was thinking about, it, I was like, I don't even know if this is if this is a joke anymore. <laughs> I just feel like, like Dewey. I think I think that one cut a little too deep, but it's a great commentary. I I again. That's the that's the, the the experiment that I think that we are dealing with this in this last month of 2022 is are all of these reactions because of that recency bias? I do wonder. I I would love to revisit these films in like a year and see if they still have the same effect of the a scream right now. I'm very high on. Let's see if the other films that we talk about this month with uh, the other 2022 films. Let's see. Let's see how they hold up in, in, in a year. Because who knows? Who knows? Uh, who'd have thunk that, I, you know, we'd be talking about... <laughs> I always go back to Pacific Heights. Uh, you know, when we pick these films out that we've never seen, and or we have time away, I, I always I always wonder, like, am I going to like... Because I've done 180s on film that I, I, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked that... that I ended up liking some of the films I do, or I end up despising some of the films. So I'm I'm genuinely interested in seeing how these films will hold up. I like what you're positing, that in true Scream 5 fashion, a year from now, we will come back and do a podcast series reflecting on what we did the year prior and just, <laughs> just listen to our old episodes and I guess be disagreeable or it'll just be confirmation bias. Like, we are geniuses. We were right then, we're right, <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's the thing. I wonder if we're <laughs> pride is going to get me, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I was right. I was right all along. Yes, I always am. Yeah, I, I wonder. I do wonder. I'm not beholden to anybody, though. Then that's the kind of fun thing about this podcast is I, I am not afraid to be like, all right, I, I, yeah, that was the wrong opinion. Or you know what? No, it's not the wrong opinion. It's just what I thought at the time. I'm right always, no matter what I think. So now you're going to blame the listener? Like, you should have listened to that episode when I was right about it. But <laughs> now you're coming in late. So it's you that's wrong, not me. I was right then. You're just wrong now for listening to Trilogy in Theory. 
why don't you have the same feelings I do? Why is my <laughs> lived-in experience not the same as yours? God damn. Go. Yeah. Now we're getting into the toxic fandom. Yeah. All right. We got there. <laughs> <laughs>